name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
be to God on high. King of glory, Lord of hosts, uplifted in triumph far above all heavens, leave us not without consolation, but send us the spirit of truth whom you promised from the Father. For you live and reign with him in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the seventh Sunday of Easter is recorded in the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 36. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, Gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. 
I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is recorded in the Apostle Peter's first letter, chapter 4. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another, without grumbling, as each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, 
he is glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 15th and 16th chapters. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues, yes, the time is coming, that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. This is the gospel of the Lord. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus said to his disciples, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It is said that if Luther were told that the Lord was returning tomorrow in the second coming, that he would plant an apple tree today. It is a way of speaking about how Christians approach life. We live the ordinary life that God has created and sanctified by the redeeming work of his Son. The work that we engage in as Christians is not for our own personal benefit, but a father for his wife, parents for their children, families for the benefit of other families, workers in the workplace to help their neighbor in need. God loves them through the works that he has given us to do. And the ordinary things of life count to the hilt. And so in our own congregation over this past year, right after the pandemic was ramping up in full earnest, we ripped up the parking lot and replaced it presuming that the Lord still was not done with the ministry in this place and that people needed to be able to gather freely to receive Christ's word and sacraments. At the end of the church year, we hear warnings from the Lord Jesus to the disciples and to the church as a prelude to his second coming. There will be wars and rumors of wars. We certainly have been seeing and are seeing that today. There will be famine, pestilence, and earthquakes. We certainly have seen that and are experiencing it today. Those kinds of things that mark the latter days are not unique to Christians, as if only Christians experience pestilence. No, they are common to the whole world. But for us as Christians, in the face of those things, we offer the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ as the real salvation for a world that is often filled with fear and despair. Make no mistake about it. If the disciples don't teach us anything during those years with Jesus, and particularly that Holy Week period of time when Jesus was arrested and persecuted, it is this. They were afraid. Christians are not immune to fear. Fear is common to us as much as it is common to the world. 
However, for us as Christians, our fears are addressed by the promises of the gospel, the assertions of God's care in Christ Jesus, who has borne all of the fear himself as he took our sin and punishment upon himself. So you heard this morning, and we prayed this morning, and we'll need to hear again, and we'll need to pray again those words of David from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When David speaks those words in Psalm 27, he speaks them into the face of his own fears. We pray them into the teeth of Satan's accusations and his lying words, you're abandoned by God. You have no hope. For us as Christians, Easter celebrates hope. Not a wishful thinking, but a sure and certain confidence in the Lord who has not only conquered sin and death, but as we celebrated on last Thursday evening, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high, and he governs all things for the sake of his church. In the Holy Gospel appointed for this here Sunday, exaudi, here, here, are part of Jesus' catechesis on Maundy Thursday night. When he speaks about the Holy Spirit's ministry, and we will celebrate Pentecost next Sunday, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. The Spirit testifies. For us as Christians, for the sustaining of our faith, for the creation of our faith, for our endurance in the midst of fear and suffering, and persecution, as Jesus clearly speaks of in the gospel for today. For us, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that is more important than hearing. For it is through the hearing of God's word that the Spirit testifies. It is through the hearing of God's word that the miracles of faith are brought forth in the congregation of the faithful and in the hearts and lives of every Christian. You heard it in the Old Testament reading. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will transform your heart of stone into a heart of flesh that beats with the love and the life of God. That happens by the ministry of the Spirit through the Word. It's why he is called the Spirit of Truth. He testifies of Jesus. Absolutely nothing is more important for us as Christians than to hear the Word. It's why in every way the faithful church has remained open to the opportunities to hear and to receive. And that's how we should look at the word of God and the study of God's word and the preaching of God's word and the meditation of God's word. Not as something that we are doing for God, but rather it is the great gift that he has given us to receive the word by which the Holy Spirit breathes new life into us and comforts us in our fears and gives us, as it did for the disciples, a word to speak 
testifying of Jesus, just as the Spirit himself testifies of Christ through the word that we have received. The first three commandments of the Ten Commandments are the most important. There's a hierarchy to the commandments. The first table of the law is more important than the second table of the law. Without the first table of the law in place, our relationship to God, we cannot even make a beginning at fulfilling love for the neighbor under the second table of the law. And in the first table of the law, those first three commandments, before they call us to do something, they are describing a way of life. First commandment, you shall have no other gods. The Lord is saying, trust me. Trust me. The second commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The catechism underscores that the right use of God's name is to call upon him in every trouble, to pray to him, to praise him, even in the midst of suffering and fears and persecution, and to give thanks. So the second commandment describes, pray to me. And the third commandment, which though third in a certain sense is the basis and the foundation for the second and the first, because under the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day is about hearing preaching and his word. It's a lovely description because by the preaching of God's word and the meditation upon it, faith. First commandment, trust is created. And out of this trust, first commandment, we learn in the midst of the things that we suffer, whether it's the signs of the latter days or the persecution that we endure, we learn to call upon him in every trouble to pray, praise, and to give thanks. We learn to plant an apple tree, to live optimistically with a sense of joy, because for us as Christians, we rest our hope and our confidence upon the testimony of the Holy Spirit, who by the word of the gospel declares us righteous, which means there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As we heard on Ascension Night, what harm can sin and death then do? The true God now abides with you. Let hell and Satan rage and chafe. Christ is your brother. You are safe. That echoes the testimony of the Spirit in the words of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Jesus told the disciples on Maundy Thursday, that he didn't tell them about the persecution that they would endure when he first called them. Some might interpret that as a very nasty thing, not to be honest with them from the beginning, disclosing to them everything that they would face. Can you imagine that? Boys, out on the fishing boat, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men, and you will die a horrible death by persecution. Sign me up. But Jesus wasn't dishonest with them when he called them to faith. Before any of them or any of us can face the times that we're in persecution or suffering for the name of Jesus, First, 
we must receive him. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who by the gospel and by the sacraments creates faith, gently strengthens us, calms our fears, comforts our consciences. We need, through the things that we suffer, like the disciples who learned that they could not boast in their own strength, and in the midst of experiencing their own weakness, learn the faithfulness of the Lord whose love and forgiveness never failed them. Only then, by that ministry of the Spirit, could they be prepared to face hardship and persecution and suffering. So Jesus says, I did not tell you this at the beginning because I was with you. But I'm telling you now so that when these things come to pass, you will not be made to stumble. To stumble over the cross, over persecution, over suffering for the name of Jesus. Because by these things, through the testimony of the Spirit, Jesus himself bears witness to the world about the gift of his salvation for all people. The ordinary things of life, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, getting up in the morning, sitting quietly perhaps with a cup of coffee and praying the Psalter and reading the scriptures, working faithfully in your vocation, even with those who despise you as a Christian, living by faith in the gospel of God's love, these things are what matter most. There is no secret formula or recipe to meet the latter days, but receiving the testimony of the Spirit through the word of the gospel. And so the apostle Peter, and you know his history, wrote of these ordinary things of the Christian life in today's epistle. When he who had one time denied his Lord, when he who at one time experienced the bitter horror of his own weakness, only to be brought to contrition and repentance and sent right back out into the world to feed the Lord's sheep, he would say to us, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Beloved, he writes, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. When the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will take of what is Jesus 
and he will give it to you that you might know the certainty of his love. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble and hearty thanks for all the goodness and loving kindness that you bestow on us. We praise you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life. But above all, we bless you for your boundless love in the redemption of the world by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the preaching of the gospel and the holy sacraments, 
and for the hope of glory. We implore you to give us a right understanding of all your mercies, that our hearts may ever be deeply thankful, and that we may show forth your praise with both our lips and our lives. Direct our lives in ways of holiness and righteousness all our days, that we may enjoy the testimony of a good conscience and the hope of your favor, be sustained and comforted in every trouble, and finally be received into your everlasting kingdom. Grant your guidance and blessing upon our congregation's call process for an ordained headmaster and an associate pastor. Comfort, strengthen, and defend against the assaults of the evil one. Kevin Larson, John Lehman, Hannah Hardenbrook, Ed Lemke, Jason Peterson, Jacob Weber, Bob Corso, and Peter Greshner celebrating baptismal birthdays. We give thanks to you for your sustaining grace to those celebrating wedding anniversaries and continue to pray for the strength of your mercy and love to sustain them in their marriage vows, especially Paul and Jennifer Johnson, Jeff and Allie Meehan, Mark and Julie Golterman. And into your hands we commend the sick of our congregation and extended family, Frank Copling having abdominal surgery tomorrow, Pat Murphy recuperating from kidney stone removal surgery, Louise Bollmeyer in treatment for an infection in her leg and compression fractures in her back, David Steinhild undergoing cardioversion, Paul Schneider awaiting heart surgery to repair a heart valve, Barb Levon, Cheryl Gretzinger's mother recuperating from a second back surgery, Jeremy LaFour and his family as he battles ALS, Gabby Hartwig, who will have surgery tomorrow in treatment for childhood cancer. Reverend Timothy Kinney for multiple myeloma. Erwin Cabrera and Tom Pinzel in treatment for bladder cancer. Jim Nietzsche concluding his treatment for lung cancer. Father Wokema's daughter, Aburuyeba Amaso. Jill Franklin and Allison Witte in treatment for breast cancer. Bring healing according to your will. Sustain them under the cross of physical affliction with your grace. We commend to you all those who mourn the death of loved ones, especially the family of Roger Laubenstein. We give thanks to you for the good he was permitted to receive and give throughout his earthly life, but above all for the call to faith in the waters of holy baptism. Comfort and strengthen his family in the midst of their tears to grieve in the sure and certain confidence of the resurrection to eternal life. All these petitions and whatever else you see that we need, grant us, dear Father, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is his so to It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places 
Give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who, after his resurrection, appeared openly to all his disciples, and in their sight was taken up into heaven, that he might make us partakers of his divine nature. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same, in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.